The scripture reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 8, and 23 through 26, and chapter 22, verses 3 through 5. It can be found on page 1041 in the Black Bibles. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Garrett and Amy. Thank you all for being here. Uh, my name is John Trapp. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the King. Great to have each one of you here joining us. Um, like Clay said, we are um, celebrating Advent right now. One of the ways we're doing that is by wearing our robes, which I was just told by one of my kids makes me cozier to hug. So if you want to... If you want to get a side hug from me later after the service, just come find me. Um, but uh, we really are, are so glad to be celebrating Advent with y'all. Advent is, um, it's, the word means arrival, and it's the season that we remember and anticipate celebrating Christ's first arrival, but also it's a time that we remember and celebrate and anticipate his second arrival, his second coming. Jesus tells us in John 14, he tells his disciples, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So this morning, we celebrate and anticipate the first advent where Jesus comes to rescue us, but we also anticipate his second advent when Jesus is going to come and make a home with us. 
Every single one of us longs for a home, for our true home, for a good home. Some of us have had glimpses of a good home. Some of us have had good homes and that, that good home is, is one that we long to go to and spend time in or to get back to. Some of us have had very few glimpses of what a good home is like. But each one of us longs for one. We're made for one. And so what, what I want us to look at this morning as we consider these words from Revelation and um, we're really just gonna hone in on Revelations 21, one through eight. Had the Johnsons read a few extra verses, but as I was preparing, I really, I really want us to focus on verses one through eight of Revelation 21. I want you to see three things. First, our longing for home. Second, what isn't there? And third, what is there? Our longing for home, what isn't there and what is there? So let's pray. Father, help us now to hear your word this morning as dying men and women and boys and girls, because that is who we are. We're all dying one day. So help us to see that there's a beautiful hope that Jesus has won. Help us to see that above all, he is the beautiful hope. The one who has gone before us to prepare a home in his father's house. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Spirit, please help us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a missionary named Henry Morrison who was uh, a missionary in Africa for 40 years. And he and his wife finally were returning back home to America and they were on a ship. This was back in the early 1900s. They're on a ship coming back from Africa and he was wondering to himself, I, I wonder if anyone if anyone has remembered us, if anyone even knows and has paid attention to our correspondence, letting people know that we're, that we're arriving, does anyone even care? And so as they pulled into the harbor, his heart leapt because he saw that there was a parade, a parade welcoming the ship back into its port. And he was so glad as he got off the boat, but his heart quickly sank when he realized that the parade was not for him. The parade actually was for President Roosevelt who had been on a hunting party and the parade was being thrown for him as he was, had also anonymously been on the ship. And so for about a week afterwards, uh, Henry Morrison records in his diary that he, he was very despondent just about, about being back. He, he kind of felt homesick in his own home and, and felt like no one really cared that they were back. And he finally told his wife this. He finally said, I'm just, I'm just kind of sad. It feels like no one really cares that we came home. To which she wisely responded, Henry, whoever said this is our home? This is not our home. But we all long for a home. G.K. Chesterton, who... Um, as a, a British author in early 1900s said, the modern philosopher had told me again and again that I was in the right place and I still felt depressed even in agreement. This is before he was a Christian. I was told over and over by the modern philosopher, you're in the right place. This is what you were made for. This place is where, this is your home. And I felt depressed even in agreement. But when I heard that I was in the wrong place, 
My soul sang for joy like a bird in spring. I knew now why I could feel homesick at home. Friends, the Bible ends, Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, it ends with our home. It tells us what our home is going to be like. And I want you to imagine how this would have comforted the first people who get this book of Revelation, this letter that was sent. The, the letter of Revelation was sent to seven different churches in Asia in the first century, living under Roman oppression and written to Christians, many of whom were suffering and were sad and had people that they loved who were being persecuted for their faith. It was not an easy time to be a Christian in the first century in Rome. And imagine how this letter would have comforted those with friends who were dying, with friends being fed to lions, longing for home. And then this letter arrives and it tells them there is another home, a better home. All of our songs, our great novels, our movies are telling of these epic stories of people, of heroes seeking to recover a place of peace, of rest, of joy, a place of love, a home. We all want a home. But when we think of heaven, let's be honest, a lot of us don't get warm, fuzzy, homey feelings about it, the way that we imagine it. If you're anything like me, and I actually grew up in a Presbyterian church, much like this one, First, and I'm sure it was preached to me at some point. I'm sure Revelation 21 was preached to me at some point. But it, I think I just was instead taking the, the images that the culture was giving me of what heaven was going to be like. And I just kind of imagined it somewhere in the clouds. And there's probably harps involved. And they're probably being played by fat babies in diapers. And that's how I imagined home. And I, or not home, that's how I imagined heaven. Did not imagine home that way. And I, I remember one time my mom, I was asking her, what's heaven gonna be like? She's like, it's gonna be like an eternal worship service. And for a nine-year-old boy, that sounded terrifying. <laughs> I was like, I have to wear khaki pants for eternity? I don't, like, I did not want that. But friends, what we are given here in Revelation 21 is that it's a picture that eternity ends in our home. There's um, a song that gets at this misunderstanding of heaven and uh, it's, it's by a country musician named Craig Campbell. The song's called Outskirts of Heaven. And he says, my grandpa taught me about buck knives and shotguns, how to cast an old Zebco and how to work a stick shift. He taught me the Bible about all 12 disciples and he made sure that I know there's life after this with pearly gates and streets of gold. He said, if I just believe, that's where I'll go. You think that's where a country boy wants to go? Pearly streets, pearly gates, streets of gold. This is, this is the chorus. Lord, when I die, I wanna live on the outskirts of heaven where there's dirt roads for miles, hay in the fields and fish in the river, where there's dogwood trees and honeybees and blue skies and green grass forever. Lord, when I die, I wanna live on the outskirts of heaven. 
what he may not realize is that the image that he's, pay, that, that he's painting is not one that will be the outskirts. The image that we get in Revelation 21 is actually heaven coming down to earth. Eternity, eternity ends here in God's world made new. Heaven coming down to earth. And to be clear, there is a heaven where we go after we die and it's talked about in the Bible. But it's not the, the place where we end our lives. So Jesus tells a story of a man in Luke 16 dying and going to be in heaven. Jesus tells a, a, the dying thief on the cross, if you remember, the man who um, asks Jesus to remember him. Jesus says, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus affirms that there is a place where we go, where we are in paradise, where we're in God's presence, where our souls are present with God. And yet Jesus also affirms that that is not the end of our story. And he says this all throughout the gospels. One example is in John 6, which we will get to when we get back to our sermon series through John in a couple weeks. He says, this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. This is what Jesus is talking about all throughout the gospels, the last day when he will raise us up where our souls will once again be in our bodies. Our bodies made new and right and Revelation 21 is a picture of that day, eternal Eternity happening here on earth, the physical earth made right in our physical bodies. It's why in Revelation 21.3, it's proclaimed that the dwelling place of God is with man. It doesn't say the dwelling place of man is not gonna be where God's been this whole time. The dwelling place of where God has been this whole time is now coming down to be with us forever. And what will it be like? Well, the Bible gives us all kinds of tantalizing clues. And the first is Jesus. If you wanna know what your body is going to be like for eternity, look at Jesus. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, Adam, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Friends, Jesus is our first fruit. This is written to people who would have understand what a first fruit is. Some of, not as many of us are farmers today. So just think about if you have a fig tree and it's gone through the winter and you're wondering, did, did my fig tree make it? Am I going to have a fig crop this year? When the first fruit appears on that first branch, you know what? More are coming. There's more figs coming. And Paul is saying here, if you want to know why we can have our faith, that one day all of us will be risen to new life, look at Jesus because he is resurrected, he's defeated death. He is the first fruits of our resurrection. Christ, the first fruits. Jesus has died, he has risen, 
and he has a new body and it's a body that's glor- it's glorified. It's a body that can walk and talk. It's a body that we see in the gospels that's eating. It's a body that is recognizable to his friends and yet it is a glorious body. Friends, we will be in our bodies in a new home. But I want you to see what will not be in this home. And in in verse one, if you haven't been reading all of Revelation up until this point, it can sound strange because it says, then I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. The sea isn't there. Does that mean, is Galveston just gonna kind of disappear? We're not gonna have any kind of ocean situation? No. That, that, that's not what's being communicated here. We will still have the oceans. But John is referring to what's been happening all throughout the book of Revelation coming up to this point. All throughout the book of Revelation, everything that comes out of the sea is bad for the people of God. That's where the monsters come, the dragons, the, the, the beasts that are hurting God's people all throughout the book of Revelation. And these are all Old Testament images that John is using to people who are mostly Jewish, who have converted to Christianity, would have understand these Old Testament images of dragons and beasts. And you know what? The, the Israelites, they weren't sea dwellers. The water was scary to them. And so what John is telling them is, The place where your fears lie, the place where things that come that hurt you and harm you and cause you distress, there will be no place like that. In other words, there will be no threat of any kind of monsters who would come and tear your life apart anymore. No more threats. No more monsters in our world that cause brokenness. No more war, no slavery, no human trafficking, no gang violence, no police violence. In fact, there'll be no more elections. Think about that. We should also remember this. There will be no more elections because Jesus Christ will be king and he will be on his eternal throne. There'll be no monsters tearing up families and the lives of children, no more divorce, no more shouting matches, No more temper tantrums, no slamming doors, no abortions, no orphans, no widows, no abuse. There will be no neglect. There will be no custody battles. There'll be no foster care system because every child has a place to rest their head in God's kingdom. There'll be no locks on the doors. No one has to be kept out. There's no danger. No more bullies, no more outsiders. No, no parties happening that you aren't invited to, no missing out, no insecurity, no friends moving away from you, no more moving away from your friends. None of the things that tear our lives apart, no threats. But all, not only that, but there's no pain and no sickness we see in verse four. No anxiety, no more depression. No more getting shots, no more syndromes, no chronic pain, no more heart failure, no more hearing loss, no more memory loss, no torn ligaments, no spinal injuries, no paralysis, no more physical therapy, 
No more chemotherapy. No more hospitals. No more hospices. When I think of this, I, I, I often think about one of the students that we had here at this church when I was the youth pastor. And um, due to a condition that he was born with, he was wheelchair bound. He was wheelchair bound. He um, was fully mentally cognizant, but couldn't stand up, couldn't walk, could really, really struggle to talk. But he loved music. Still loves music. In fact, one of the ways that he makes money in town is he's a disc jockey. And if you want to get hype at a party, bring him. Because he will play music with the biggest smile on his face the entire time. And one day, this says that he won't just have to watch everyone dance. He will be in the middle of it. He'll be dancing. I I suffered a hearing loss um, a year, about a year and a half ago now. I love music. The first time I actually cried about losing half of my hearing in my right ear from a virus that we don't really know how I got. Uh, the first time I really cried about it, I was in my car by myself and a song came on that I love and I just couldn't enjoy it like I used to. Feel it, listening to music now feels like chewing up food that I really like and then having to spit it out. Just can't, like, I can't get it all in me like I used to. One day, one day all things will be made new and right. Do you see what else isn't there? There's no more death. No more mourning. No more weeping over the ones that we love that we've lost. And death has touched a lot of y'all this year. And I want you to see that Jesus is coming back to make all things new again. All things right. He's determined to do that so much that he's gone into death. He's gone into the very teeth of death by going to a cross himself. The one who's bringing light to this entire, entire world that we see painted here is the Lamb. The lamb who looks like he was slain. Why does he look like he was slain? Because he was so that we could be risen to new life with him. One day death itself will die. And the ones that we miss, who are in Christ, we will be reunited with them. They will have their bodies back. We will recognize them and see them. You know what's so great about that? In the new heavens and the new earth, if we have eternity together, you ever thought about this? You can spend a thousand years catching up with somebody and not have lost any time to do other things. There's a lot of you that I wish I knew better. That's kind of one of the sad things about my job is there's just a lot of people at this church that I wish I knew better. We're gonna have plenty of time, just not now. Just not in this life, not in this life with all of its limitations and with death stealing time away from people that we want to know and to be with. 
and the new heavens and the new earth will have all the time we could ever want. But I want you to see what also isn't there, and this is the one that's a little bit scary. When you look at verse eight, no one who does evil is in this place. And when you start to read that list, faithless, cowardly, detestable, I'm just gonna be honest, that's starting to sound like your pastor's resume. That's me. When I look at the kinds of people who are in verse eight, that sounds like me. That sounds like us. And it's saying that people like that aren't, aren't in the new heavens and the new earth. So how are we in? How do we have hope? Because what we see here is that just like the new heavens and the new earth will be real, hell is a real place. It is a real place where God will judge. He will judge all for all of our sins. So what's, what's the hope for the cowards and the liars and the faithless and the idolaters like me and like you? Well, the hope is something that the, the one who wrote Revelation 21 also wrote. John also writes, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The hope is that all of our guilt, that all of our resume was put on the Lord Jesus and he took it to the cross and he killed it. He actually, he actually buried your resume with him and it stays in the grave and it's paid for. <laughs> it's why Jesus is saying it is done in verse six, verse five. It's done, verse six, I'll figure it out. Verse six, it's done, it's paid for, it's over. Where is your hope? Well, I want you to see what is there. What is there, final point, redeemed sinners are there and the one who has redeemed them is there. He is seated on his throne. I can't wait to see him when he comes again. I can't wait to see him. Do you think the first look on his face when he sees you after he's paid for you is gonna be one of disapproval or disappointment? It's not. He's the one who rejoices over you with singing. And we will see him face to face, the source of all goodness, the one who came up with all the fun. It's all from him. It's all from his mind. And he proclaims these delightful and exciting words. Verse five, I am making all things new. I kind of imagined heaven as a boy that Jesus was gonna make all new things. He's gonna make all these new things. You know, like these kind of weird, weird looking buildings that are gonna have like sapphires and rubies on them and trees that are gonna grow sideways that are gonna be made of like, I don't know, porcelain and lace and gold. I, it just something very unfamiliar. I mean, he's gonna make all, all these new things. But what Jesus says in verse five, I'm making all things new. Everything that you love about your home, I'm making all of those things new and right again. God loves his creation. He made it and he calls it good. 
And he made, he made our home. And so he thought of things like fruit and wine and cheese and spices and games and language that could be made into poetry and stories and lyrics for songs. He thought of sound waves that could be made into music and musical scales. He thought of the scientific laws and electrical engineering that makes movies and video games possible. God, it's God's idea, it's not man's. He made manatees and giraffes and pufferfish and mountains and planets, and rock formations that be, can be climbed. He made the laws of gravity that make skydiving possible and coral reefs to be snorkeled. He thought of laughter and how it's so good with, to laugh with someone that you love. He thought of families. He thought of making child squishy cheeks that smell like their peanut butter sandwich that they just ate. He made your dog that thinks you're way better than you actually are. He made brownies and ice cream. He made it all. And he's, all, he's, making, he's gonna make a home for us. Do you think the one who thought of all of those things is gonna make a crummy home when he comes back and makes all things new? He is going to make our home. It's what we sing during Advent. We sing joy to the world. He comes to make his blessings flow. What's next? Far as the curse is found. That's right. Wherever the curse is touched, Jesus is going to make it new and right. So what? Well, to the thirsty... Verse six, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. You can't buy it. You can't pay for this to get in. All you can do is come to Jesus thirsty and let him give you a drink. And friends, we don't like to be thirsty. What we would, in fact, we actually don't even like to wait for heaven to come to earth. We want heaven now. We want heaven, we want our earthly experience right now to feel like heaven. And we'll spend a lot of money and a lot of our time to try to make our lives feel that way. But you can't have, you can't have a good enough insurance policy to be secure in this life. Your 401k is not gonna make your heaven come to earth now. Not enough investments will do it. Not enough security systems or home maintenance or plastic surgeries or maid services or even virtual reality, which we're now trying to create. None of it, none of it will give us heaven on earth now. And by the way, all those things I just listed aren't bad in and of themselves. They're not. But they're not gonna be, they're not gonna give you heaven on earth. What they actually can do is make you stop feeling thirsty. You can look to go and drink from those things and they will leave you empty. And they most certainly will not die to save you. But the lamb will. So this Christmas season, let's behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world and he's coming again. The King is coming. So let's make ready for him.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have come to make a home, that you made your home with us in Jesus when he came and tabernacled among us, that you have made your home in us by your spirit even now, that you are so near. And Father, we cannot wait until you come and we see you face to face. We see your son face to face. Would you um, give us faithfulness until that day? Lord, we pray for those who don't yet know you that they would be saved and that you would use us as instruments uh, as those bearing the good news of Jesus. And Father, we also pray that you would send your son quickly because life here is hard and we long for the day that we will be home. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.